Today we have Wa Win on the show. Do you want to learn how to invest in real estate? Wa's advice is enjoy your journey. Wa and her husband Jaime are both eye doctors. They opened and operated several practices before getting involved in real estate. They started investing in multifamily real estate after they realized that it was the best way for them to build their wealth. They have been extremely successful with this strategy, and now they are sharing what they've learned with others so that more people can benefit from these opportunities. Listen to hear how Wa and her husband built a portfolio of over 5,000 units, and more importantly, how you can get started today. Before we jump into the intro, if you have interest in learning how to invest passively, check out my five-step process for passively investing in real estate. You can download it for free by going to darrenbatchelder.com backslash learn and then select the free PDF. Now, onto the intro. Welcome to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show. Each week, you will learn how to grow your wealth through real estate investing. Be introduced to the players that are getting it done and learn how you can get involved. And now, here's your host, Darren Batchelder. A little background on Wa before we start the show. Wa and her family live in the DFW area. She's an eye doctor that got involved in multifamily real estate investing to build wealth. She's a master at developing relationships and pushing the envelope on getting uncomfortable to grow. Wa attends many conferences. She's a speaker and author and is about to co-host a TV show with her husband. There is no stopping this girl from continuing on her journey. Now, on to the show. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Wa Win with us. Wa, I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Darren. Absolutely. So a little bit on how we know each other. Uh, we are both part of the same multifamily mentorship group uh, based here in Dallas, the Brad Sumrock Group. And um, we've known each other for several years, but just in the last couple of years, like, you know, Wa and her husband, Jaime, have been killing it, killing <laughs> it. So I am excited to hear what they've been up to, how they've been doing it, and um, go from there. So first question, how many properties and how many units are you currently invested in? So we are currently invested in 21 properties, over 5,000 units. Um, and eight of those, uh, so it's out of those 21, eight of those were co-sponsors uh, and the other 13 were limited partners. That's, that's amazing. So um, help, help the listeners understand the difference between, you know, I've had a lot of guests on the show um, where we talk about limited partner, general partner, um, but this idea of, of co-sponsor, you know, um, so let's introduce that term to, to the listeners and explain what that is. Because like you mentioned, out of the 21 properties, you guys have been co-sponsors in eight deals. Yeah. So co-sponsor interchangeably is like we use that as general partners. So Jaime and I, you know, we usually 
uh, partner alongside other in depending on which market. So we heavily are in Houston and DFW. Uh, and then we have one property that we're general partners in in South Carolina. But the general partnership, unlike the passive, as a limited, you're more hands-on. So for us, we do two parts of the pillar. Uh, actually, we do three, but we like to predominantly focus on two pillars. And so a general partnership slash co-sponsorship either focuses on the acquisitions or building the relationship with the brokers, looking and touring at the deals, underwriting for the property. So Jaime and I are always constantly doing that aspect. And then the second pillar that we're always doing as co-sponsors slash general partners is investor relations and the equity capital raise. So those are kind of the two pillars that we're very strong in and to have really helped accelerate and join other teams who are more experienced on the asset management operations, construction, CapEx projects. So we like to partner with other uh, general partners that that's their strength. That's fantastic. I mean, that's so important when you're out looking for partners that you, that you share that, right? I mean, there's a lot of different people in this industry and it's not good enough just to say, Hey, let's partner together. Yeah. Right. I mean, you could be a good person, but if, if you both like doing the same piece, it doesn't make, you know, all that much sense because you're still lacking in the, in one or two of the other areas. Um, so having that discussion early on as to, you know, what, what part of the business do you want to, you know, manage and, and are you stronger at, and then try to complement with other partners mm -hmm. that are stronger in different areas. Correct. So talk a little bit about uh, your background because you and your husband, um, first of all, you know, you guys are a, a team and, you know, <laughs> it's not always that way. There could be that the husband's in real estate and the wife's not, or the wife is in real estate and the husband's not, but you guys are a team. So talk about, um, you know, your team approach and kind of what roles and responsibilities the two of you play. And then, you know, where did you guys come from in terms of, you know, your background before you got into real estate investing? So I was born in Manila in the refugee camp in the Philippines. And Jaime was born in Mexico. So we're both immigrants. I came to the States when I was eight years old. Jaime came to the U.S. when he was five years old. Uh, came from very, very humble beginnings. Um, I've been a young entrepreneur by the age of 10. So I was working in the family 10. business by age 10, working full time. It was school and work. That's all I did seven days a week. Come on. Uh, what, what did you do? I was in the, I started off in the convenience store. So I worked the kitchen with my mom. Um, and then uh, my mom doesn't speak English. So I worked the cash register in the front of the house a lot of the time. So we actually threw new in New Orleans, uh, we've had six different businesses, but we started off with a little corner store in the projects of New Orleans. Oh, and, cow. Uh, so you learned hard work <laughs> at an early age. I did. My dad passed away when I was 13. So it was just oh, no. um, my mom, single mom, uh, watching the three of us. I was the baby, youngest girl. She never had the chance to go to school uh, because she was a girl. And so, but she was really good with people and... Um, so I learned people skills from her and hard work. And so work ethic was very strong, always working. She worked 80, 90 hour work weeks um, all the time in the business. 
And so, but, you know, Jaime and I, uh, we met in optometry school and uh, he was my lab partner. So we've been together now for 16 years. <laughs> Fantastic. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank so you're, you. bo- you're both eye doctors. We're both eye doctors. So we graduated, came out with 300000 over $300,000 of student loan debt. So you can only imagine coming out with that much student loan debt um, and trying to get a loan was, it, it's challenging. So, but our dream was always to build our own practice, have our own practice, be our own bosses. So we worked for someone else for about four and a half years. Um, again, we kept picking up extra relief work and we worked seven days a week, hustle bustle. Uh, trying to have enough money to buy our own practice. And so we did that four and a half years ago. We um, purchased premium uh, location in Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, in an area called Uptown West Village. And so we bought our first practice there. And then two years after that, we bought another practice in Plain, uh, in the Plano area where we currently live. And so we've had those practices going on 11 years and nine years now built a really strong team, grown those practices. Uh, But we pivoted into real estate because we were still um, working so many hours in our own business and in our own practice. So when my daughter came along, you know, she's seven now, we pivoted into real estate because we wanted to find diversified income and really truly more time. And that was our challenge with our practices is even after we accumulated having more uh, financial freedom. We didn't have time freedom. So pivoted into learning real estate, listened to a lot of podcasts, um, you know, learned a lot of networking groups. And that's how we found different mentorship programs and wound up entering uh, Brad Summerock's ecosystem, which we're so grateful for. That's fantastic. (laughs) You know, that you said something there that I, you know, I can relate to very much is that you know, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I always wanted to own my own business. I always wanted to create my own schedule. And, yeah. uh, and I did that and I created my own business back in 2007. And it gave me the ability to go to all my kids sporting events and create my own schedule and vacations and, and all of that. But like real estate, you know, having gotten in real estate about four years ago, like the wealth building opportunities in real estate, like is just crazy. When I talk to people in their twenties and thirties, I'm like, man, I wish that I had started back then. Right. I absolutely. mean, would you agree? I mean, absolutely. If I had to do it all over again. <laughs> right. You know, it, you know, it's, it's cool to think that like you, you start your bright and you busted your tail for four and a half years working for somebody else to save up the money to buy that first practice. And, and then after a while, you're like, man, the money's good, you know, but like, man, I'm still busting my hump, you know? <laughs> yeah. So now um, one thing I see that you, you know, you and your husband do very well is that um, you guys have not only formed relationships within the, you know, people within the group, but, you're getting out and you're going to conferences, you know, that are outside of the multifamily space that are entrepreneurial, that you're getting involved in other groups and conferences all across the country. Um, talk about why, why do you do that? So we, as we started going to different events, uh, more entrepreneur. So it was kind of building both sides 
Um, and the reason we started going outside of the multifamily space is we started realizing there are so many different avenues of people who would benefit from ha- knowing about this model of syndications. I was so surprised. I was asked to speak at a dentist conference um, and it was all women speakers. So it was all different type of doctors, although it was, it was led by a dentist group. It was promoted for all different doctors. And so I spoke at that event and I didn't realize that nobody in the room knew what an apartment investing syndication involved. And I was right. like, well, yeah, so it's not so readily available that these. Um, and so as I'm talking to my colleagues in different circles, and we have, we have a lot of different and it's not just doctors, but I started with that group and going to conferences. And then I started going to different um I would get asked to speak at other type of conferences that were just for entrepreneurs. And it wasn't specifically for real estate purposes. It was just hearing my story of starting with nothing and just through grit and hard work and perseverance and how we started building wealth. They just wanted to learn our background and strategies and things like that. And so when I started speaking to other different entrepreneur groups, um, so many of them were interested in the, this avenue, but aside from just the real estate aspect, it helped, it helps us continue to learn and grow. And so we're not limited and we don't pigeonhole ourselves in like, oh, we're doctors or we're just real, real, real estate syndicators only. So we're always open to learning from all walks of life. We don't uh, just specifically stay in one circle of people because what I've learned as we're attending so many different type of conferences and different type of people that we get to meet, we learn a ton and it impacts us in a positive way in all different areas of our life. That's, that's huge. Um, I agree. I mean, like, look, if you're in a multifamily mentorship group, you know what syndication means, right? But if you don't, if you're not, like in that world, that word is intimidating. Like, Mm -hmm. what is that? You know? Mm -hmm. So how would you, how would you explain it in your own words? So I, you know, I simplify by saying a syndication is where a group of investors really just pull the money together in order to buy a larger property that is professionally third-party managed and you're leveraging, it's really leveraging a team to do the work so that the investors don't have to be the landlord. And don't have to deal with, you know, people always talk about tenants, you know, termites uh, and toilets and things, you know, so a lot of people want to get into the real estate space. So a syndication is really kind of uh, leveling that playing field to get part ownership into an asset class that you would never imagine the average person to be able to get into. You would assume institutions and only the wealthy could ever be a part to own something like that. And so when I explain what a syndication model is and how that works, people are like, wow, how come I never knew about this? Right. <laughs> why, why, why is this a secret? Like, why, I, right. <laughs> look, I, I think that the, you know, because some deals are accredited only investors only, and some are sophisticated in credit, but I, I think that the government, you know, they created that, so that people don't get burned and to, you know, take in, a, you know, their, the last of their money. Um, but I also think it's a shame that, you know, it's this, you know, unless you're involved in a higher 
you know, network, you don't even get introduced to these opportunities, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think that that's, that's a real, a real shame. Um, because the returns are fantastic. The depreciation, you know, is tax advantages is fantastic. And the wealth building opportunities of being in real estate is just massive. Um, like we both said, we wish that we had gotten involved yeah. earlier. Um, <laughs> I love how you, you answered that question. You just made it very simple for people to understand. You know, it's just a bunch of people coming together, buy an asset they couldn't buy on their own. I mean, that's, it's a great way of putting it. Um, you know, some people ask about, you know, the structure, like, well, how, how does that happen? You know? Um, so can you explain, you know, it may sound silly for people that do it all the time, but for the people that don't, you know, explain how it's just forming an LLC and people investing in that. And, you know, if you could explain that process a little bit, um, just so that, they can maybe visualize how that works. From the passive investor side or from the Yeah, team so the passive investor, you know, like they're like, okay, well, I get, well, what do I do? Like I just send my money. Well, right. you know. So I always set up calls and, you know, so whether they're accredited or not, I still like to have that um, conversation and meeting because it is such a relationship business. And I think it's really important for any investor to understand Uh, the ins and outs of how the syndication model works prior to a deal going active. So it's really important, especially in a 506B where that has to be the case. But even in a 506C where an investor is accredited, but they may not be well versed in how the multifamily syndication works and every team and every project, a deal is structured differently. So for me, it's really important that, you know, for our investors that we have that conversation so that they know how our team and what our criteria is when we look for properties, what markets, what the typical structure for fees are, how the partnership and roles are split. So I like to explain that to my investors prior so they they at least kind of have an understanding um, and returns and things like that. Because even as an accredited investor, that doesn't mean that they understand and that their expectations are met. So I always want to make sure that an investor um, understands how a syndication really works and what to expect as far as cash flow, distributions, closing time period, hold times. And although they can hear all of those when we're going live on a deal, it's just that if they don't have a lot of that kind of set up and understood on the front end, sometimes these deals get filled up and subscribed and funded really quickly and they miss that opportunity or they're asking a lot of questions because they're not well-versed yet. And so they miss that window. So I think that's important that investors get that education part. Um, And that's why having an ecosystem where like where we joined Brad's group, we know that the investors in that group already are educated on how it works and what to expect. But the average person who's outside of this sphere, they're busy professionals. They have no desire to join any type of group. They don't have time or interest for that. I think it's important to set up that phone call to really get to connect and understand what their investing goals are and explain what your strategies and when we partner with other people, how the deal usually is and what our criteria is for us to cope co-GP with someone else, what we specifically are looking for and that we're vetting the other partners um, that we are 
joining because that's important to our investors because our investors ultimately trust us. So when we partner with someone else, they're trusting us with that process of vetting the other, the whole, the whole team. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's, that's critical. And that's different than if you're buying stocks, right? I mean, if you're, oh, yeah. if you're buying stocks, you're, you're just going onto a platform and the technology is available where you right. click and you're done and you don't get on a phone call and talk to somebody right. and build a relationship. And, and that's different about that, this business. Um, but some people have asked me like, well, Hey, you know, as a passive, do I have an ownership percentage? How does that work? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's just that, you know, from a listener's benefit standpoint, you know, a newly created LLC will be created. And then all the limited partners are buying a percent ownership in that LLC. And that LLC is going to go buy the apartment community. So that's, that's kind of how that works. So um, talk about um, mindset because, you know, you could have just done one deal and then been done, you know, but like you guys have kind of kept moving and growing. And so a lot of that has to do with, you know, what you think you're capable of. So talk a little Absolutely. bit about mindset and how that plays into you. Um, it kind of ties directly with what you had mentioned earlier of why, why we go to so many different events, masterminds, different circle of um, outside of just multifamily. Uh, and the reason being is because that elevates and helps us grow our mindset and using momentum and leveraging that momentum and the circle of influence of those who are already achieving what we already want to achieve. And when we're in close proximity to people who are achieving that, our mindset continually keeps growing. And, it, you know, you hear it all the time, 80, it's 80% mindset and a visualization and consistency and taking action. And you'll hear that over and over and over again. And I cannot preach that enough. Enough. <laughs> Right. Keep on saying it. Keep on saying it. I, I, I talk about taking action all the time. And I know that there's listeners that are just still stay on the fence. Right. You know, but you know, the other thing about that, you know, mindset, like you said, expands, it expands. Like when you first went to the multifamily ship mentorship group, you know, it was all about getting your first deal done. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you kind of think that's the, the end goal. But then when you get there, then you see other people that are at a different place and you're like, how did they get there? And like, mm-hmm. then you expand your mindset, you expand what you think you're capable of, but you can't get there unless you take action on the first thing. Correct. You know? And that's the thing. And that's the thing with getting into this space is staying focused and just making sure. And for us, we, it didn't matter how long it was going to take us to get to that first deal. We, it wasn't an option to, to quit. And Jaime and I, when we decided that we were going to go do this, that we were all in. And so we dedicated our time into the space. We loved it. We continued to network. We always showed up. Um, and when the opportunity came that it came. But if it didn't happen, we, we were okay with that because we always continue to learn. So when we were chasing deals at the beginning and we would 
constantly be best and final, best and final, and we would lose <laughs> out, best and final. Do you remember the first time you, you get into best and final, you're like, all right, I'm in best and final, <laughs> right? The first time you're in best and final, like you don't even care so much that you're not going to win, right? You're like, oh man, I'm in best and final, I'm close. And then after that, you're like, oh, best and final. I don't want to yeah. be in best and final. I want I want to win. Right. But, you know, I share with passive investors the journey of how challenging, especially in a competitive market, how challenging it is and how many deals get filtered through and the work that gets involved with truly winning one deal. And so for investors who are long term investors and they know the process and they they know a good deal, um, they jump on it. And that's why it gets filled fast. But I always explain from both sides, being on both sides already, and we still passively invest always still, um, but understanding both sides of the fence on the general partnership side and the limited partner side, what that process entails. But uh, yeah, so, <laughs> take action. So were you a passive investor before you were a general partner? Yes, and absolutely. And do you think that that brought value? Absolutely. I highly, highly encourage that. And we did seven uh, passive investment deals before we even um, did our first, uh, you know, attempted our first uh, general partnership deal um, because we really wanted to understand. We learned a ton because we were very active passive investors. Um, and so we always looked at our financials and everything that was given to us on um, monthly. I think as a passive investor, you learn a ton. Um, what do you learn? So from a passive investor, especially if someone's going out there, we learn style of communication from a sponsorship team, mm -hmm. um, what I liked and what I didn't like, right. um, financial reporting, how it was, and just the frequency of things. So I learned being a passive investor. So when it was our turn, what I would have ideally liked, you know, so I think being, if you're wanting to go active one side, being a passive investor kind of allowed us to see the style of communication, the type of reporting, the frequency of reporting, the availability to answer questions and getting back. So those are things we pay attention to because those are things um, as a passive now being on the turntable on the other side, I'm very in tune with that. I, I think that's very important. I mean, some of the things that, that you mentioned in terms of learning, you know, the style of communication. So you're, you're in a number of different deals and you take what you like and you discard the things that you don't like and you create your own style. Um, you get a sense for all the numbers. Mm -hmm. you, you get a sense for the terminology, you know, you, terminology both in the summaries that the, the sponsors are sending and also in reviewing the financials, you see, mm -hmm. you know, what are all the different income numbers? What are all the different expense numbers? And you start to see some trends too. And, mm -hmm. and you can see if the property is improving, right? By Correct. looking at the numbers. Um, you also get a, a sense of feeling. Um, I don't know, a feeling like you're in good hands or a feeling of like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to invest with this person again, right? Like it's just a feeling yeah. that you get and there's, you know, people are people and some people might want to invest with you and some people might want to invest with me and somebody might want to invest with somebody else because they connect in some way right. with that person. And so all those things are, 
are really important learning lessons. And, you know, the passive is investing their hard-earned money. And so knowing what it feels like to hand that over to somebody and entrust somebody else with that um, is an important step, I think, in in learning how to become a general partner or co-sponsor. Absolutely. And you learn markets too, you know, different sub-markets and uh, management teams and just a lot of different things that you hear. Um, and then especially if a deal has gone full cycle, you can really understand, well, performa projections before, you know, when, when we first invested. And then when they sold the property, how did it do compared to what they said it was going to do? Right. And so when you, when you feel that level of confidence of like, okay, this is now real, you know, we're getting the cash and it's sold or it's doing better than expected. So when you go active, there's a whole nother level of confidence when you are already in that position to now go raise equity or in, explain to an investor how the process works, being that I've already gone through and seen that because a lot of investors who are new to the space are very skeptical because it sounds too good to be true. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right? absolutely. Yeah. Hey, when I, jo- when I joined, I actually joined after going to a meetup. I hadn't even met Brad, hadn't even gone to a conference and I, and I joined and then I went, the first thing I did was set up a bunch of Starbucks mm-hmm. meetings with, with different sponsors. <laughs> and that's what I wanted to know. Is this real? Like, and so I met with all these people and I'm like, all right, tell me what's going on. Like, is this real? <laughs> right. and, the, and they're like, holy cow, I'm making all this money. Like they're telling me right. the details. I'm like, oh my gosh. And it was one after the other. It was like, changed my life, changed my life, changed my life. I was like, holy cow. I know. Uh, I wish I had done this earlier. So, mm-hmm. but now, but I'm glad I've done it now. Yeah, so, yes, absolutely. You know, there's still other people that don't know, right? So that's, that's, I think, what you're trying to do is get out there and, you know, I'm trying to do with the podcast, get out there and let more people know mm-hmm. that this opportunity exists. It's not for everybody, mm-hmm. but some people don't even know they have that opportunity. So talk about um, when you started to become a general partner and you started to go out to your network, like what happened when you, when you first did that. So you and Jaime are talking Mm -hmm. like, and you're like, okay, this is our first deal that we're actually going out and raising capital from other people. Who should we send it to? (laughs) You know, so we were always building our database and building those investor relations, even before we had our very first deal, but we were telling them our journey, what we were doing, telling all our colleagues, anybody who's in our circle of people Uh, And then, of course, being part of Brad's ecosystem, getting to know a lot of people in there. So just we always were just building that relationship and going to meetups and things like that so that when the opportunity, when that first deal would hit. And so the the questions always look, how much do you think you can raise? And that's a really difficult question. You're like, well, I don't know. This is my first deal. Right. (laughs) I don't know how many, I have a lot of people I've spoken to and a lot of investors, but that doesn't mean I don't know how many. So it's, it's truly like, I don't know exactly um, how many will join us alongside us. Um, But a lot of people have been reaching out and like, "Hua, you need to get a deal. Like we're ready. We're ready. (laughs) So we knew we had a lot of people who were ready. We just needed to get, you know, an opportunity for them to invest in. And so we felt pretty comfortable. Like 
um, because we were waiting and waiting and waiting to get into that first deal. And so we knew people, a lot of people we stayed in touch with um, were constantly like, we're ready. Come on, let's get a deal. And so we finally had the opportunity to get a deal, um, you know, and we said, we think we can raise about, you know, two to three million dollars. And that's what we thought, you know. And Lord and behold, you know, we did, you know, so I was like, yeah, fantastic. good for you. Fantastic. So, but you never know, you know, it's one of those, but you just, you're just constantly building that relationship and, and staying in touch with the investors, whether I had a deal or not, it didn't matter. I always was still keeping them in the loop of what we were doing, what we were seeking, kind of our process. How are, how are you keeping people in the loop? So I have a list of people um, that I text or Facebook message or always just kind of rotating to keep a pulse on people. And uh, whether they're invested with me yet or not yet, they've might've shown interest and not actually invested yet. Um, but I still keep in touch with people, you know, whether they are investors or not, but it's somebody that I have educated, somebody that we've talked to, someone that we've met up with. I just rotate through my list of people and I'll just do at least 10 or 20 people every day that I'll see, whether it's an email, a text, a Facebook message, just something quick to have a touch point with them. Fantastic. Um, What I think you did fantastic was, you know, there's some people I think that they, they don't spend the time building that database as they're learning. You know, they, they just get to that point. All of a sudden it's like a fire drill, like, Oh no, who am I going to, who am I going to, you know, get um, to, to partner with us. Uh, And the other thing is just telling people what you do. You know, I think that, that is so important. And even if you look, even if there's listeners here that it's not the real estate, you know, you know, you want to try to do something else, let people know what you, what you do, you know, and, and what you are trying to accomplish. And you don't have to already have done it. You know, people, people want to see you on that journey. They want to know what you're doing. And there's some people that are going to sit on the sidelines and they're not going to jump in until after you've proven yourself. But there's others that are more than willing, like they don't, they're not going to do it themselves and they're just happy to, to partner with somebody that they know and they trust and they're ready to go. Like you said, like you got investors that are like, come on, we're ready. Let's go <laughs> get, get one already. So, yeah, so and it's that's okay. fantastic. And, you know, and, and some of my colleagues and friends and things who kind of waited, some of them jump right in, right? Mm. Whatever you're doing, right. Hua, we want part of that. And then some of them, you're going to always have some people who are, I'm going to wait and see. I'm going to wait and see if this is the real right. thing. And now, you know, they jump on board. And for me, I don't take it personally because I understand. But then in hindsight, they always tell me, Hua, I wish right. I would have started at the beginning <laughs> with you. <laughs> you know, earlier, that's always been, always comes back like, oh, darn, I wish I would have done this earlier, you know? So you said you don't take it personally. I don't. So how do you not take it personally? I mean, I say that because I think that that's a big fear for a lot of people and that they, they, they do feel like it's a personal rejection, but it's really not. For me, a no is a not yet. (laughs) There you go. <laughs> and I, I, you know, and I spend the same amount of time with them, whether they invested in with me or not. You know, even if I presented, gosh, you know how many deals and they're still not in, that's okay. 
A no is still not yet. (laughs) Absolutely. Not yet. Um, And it's also what you use the term opportunity. You know, it's not, it's not about, you know, needing them. It's you're presenting an opportunity and some of those people that said no, you know, they, and they say, oh, I wish I had started way back when, <laughs> um, you know, some people just have to kind of wait. There's some people that will never jump I off know. the ship, you know, and, yeah. you know, um, but all you can do is keep presenting that opportunity and stay Absolutely. in front of them. So, so that's fantastic. Hey, um, talk about, I, I've seen you guys kind of, kind of transitioned, um, and I've seen a lot of syndicators doing this transition from kind of that BC up to A properties. So talk about that transition and, you know, why you like A properties over BC. Or do you still look at all three? uh, Currently, we predominantly look at A and B. Uh, We don't really look at C-class properties anymore because the, the markets that we're in, I mean, DFW and Houston predominantly, I mean, the cap rates have gone down and they're so compressed. And just considering that the labor cost and supply cost and everything has gone up so much. And so when we're buying properties, like our first A-class deal that we did was an uptown deal that is literally three blocks from my practice. Oh, wow. And so I've had this practice going on 11 years. This is the sub-market my, my patients live in. I know this sub-market in the back of my hands. And so it's high paid professionals, younger. And so the, when I looked, when we looked at that property, I mean, and it was an A-class deal, 2016. And we knew that it was so under market rent. The owner is a Canadian seller. Um, they really didn't have a pulse on um, keeping up with the market. It wasn't a syndication type model for them. So when they sold it, it was just because one of the partners wanted out. It was three of them and one of them wanted out. And so when we had that opportunity and we knew the rents were so low uh, beside, you know, compared to all the rent comps. And I was like, you cannot buy, you cannot build the replacement cost for that property. Um, You just can't. And it's high demand area, low supply. And so we knew going in, we wanted properties like that. So to, you know, to have an opportunity to go in and it's a light, it's a very light value add. We're doing smart technology package. You know, we're doing exterior painting. We redid some of the pool, uh, add kind of up the fitness area. So we're doing our own touches to upgrade that area, doing kind of business area for stay at home. So we want to tailor to that resident base, but we know that the demographic there and their income level can support the rent, rent raises, you know? So yeah, for us, huge. it's, it's really, a, it's a really lower risk for us because we're not going in spending a ton of money for upgrades right. where we're then pushing rents. We organically right. are going in and getting three or $400 rent bumps when we wow. underwrote for a hundred, 150, you know? So it's, it's crazy that, it, but we knew this market could do that. And that's why we're looking for opportunities where we're going in where there's an, a seller who has a nice A or B class property in a premium location where there's higher than normal income level that can support what we're doing. And we don't have to worry so much about uh, we're going to spend more on appliances or it's going to be a long wait time um, and things like that. 
for the C model, we have to do, you really have to bank on getting those upgrades done to really right. be able to achieve the 100, 150 rent bumps that you uh, are looking for. And in like these A class and higher B class, if you're in the right premium market and you buy it on a low cost basis or a decent cost basis, but you can get organic rent bump, that is a value add opportunity, just not the traditional value add that we think of when we're looking at a C class. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's huge. I mean, I went and I invested in a, uh, an A class in the Houston market and as a passive, and I went down and checked out some of the properties nearby and I walked away and I was like, you know, the sponsor on this deal is going to be able to raise rents. You know, the, the rents that they're charging new leases are like two to $300 higher than 12 months ago. And they don't even have to renovate. It's just the market has gone up. And, you know, we don't know for sure if inflation is going to, you know, take hold for sure. Um, it looks like it, it is, you know, but if, if wage inflation really picks up, then people are going to have more money. People are going to be able to spend more money on rent. And if you can keep your, your cost basis down in terms of, you know, your, your debt service and your other expenses, but then your rents are continuing to go up. I mean, then profitability will just go higher. And then higher. these a, a properties, there's less maintenance, Correct. You, know, less, you know, it's newer and there's less. So talk about, you mentioned one thing, um, you're buying it substantially below replacement cost. And that to me is an important indicator. So Talk to the listeners, you know, maybe they, they don't think of that. What is, you know, replacement cost and why is that important to you when you're looking at different opportunities? So like when we were looking at this one, the replacement cost in the area that we're in in Uptown, you're, you're talking about 330, 330 a door. So if you have an opportunity to go in and buy a 250 something a door without having to do much, and I mean, that's, that's, that's a great opportunity. Yeah. So no. what, what she's talking about here is like, look, if somebody was to build a new property right next door, they'd have to build at 330 a door. Well, in order to, you know, have it be profitable, they're going to have to have rents that are substantially higher than yeah. them buying at 250 a door, you know? So it gives them that cushion um, and, and it, it, it helps the risk factor on the deal uh, tremendously. So I think it's very important to look at replacement costs and, and whether somebody can build right near you um, for the same price or, or lower. Right. Um, talk about being a woman in the business because it's, it's, um, there's more and more women that are getting into the business, but it's still you know, heavily tilted towards the man side. Um, so do you see that as a pro con, you know, I see neutral? it as a, I see it as a pro. Okay. So explain. Um, so I see it as a pro because I always like to be the underdog in any industry. Um, and coming in and Jaime, even though Jaime and I do this as a team, there are a lot of times that I'll show up to meetings and conferences or, uh, tours where I'm going alone or he's going alone. And in, when we first started off in the business, I can, you can always tell if someone thinks 
um, you're for real or not. And I remember at the very beginning, the vibe and the energy I would get is like, oh, she's not for real. Like, who is this girl trying to come in? So I could feel that energy sometimes, but I would never take it personal. It would give me more motivation. It would ignite me a little bit more just to be like, one day, that same broker, I will buy a property from that broker. Right, right. People don't look at you that way anymore, do they? No, <laughs> no they don't look at you that way anymore. No, but no, I, I honestly don't, you know, I don't take it personally, whether it's a broker or whether it's a contractor or whether it's a service provider, it doesn't matter. Like, but I think it's been more now, a lot more women are getting into the space. And I think in, mm-hmm. in our ecosystem, especially um, there's a lot of women that are getting into the space. So it's not as uncommon. When I go to other conferences that are more multifamily, I think there's less women. And so it is, it is an advantage, I think, because you do stand out being in the space, um, being a woman. So I take it as like, if, if it's more male dominated, I love it. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Right. I I had one woman on, I asked that question and she said, if I go to a conference, like who do the guys want to talk to? Another guy or to me? Like, (laughs) you know, so, right. (laughs) So there you go. Um, But you, you you know, you kind of have to combine the fact that like, okay, they want to talk to me, but they also believe I can do the business. Right. Right. And so you've gotten, you've gotten there. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's fantastic. You know, in, in terms of the difficulties in the business, you know, what kind of challenges uh, do you run into? What kind of learning lessons have you uh, come across after you've gotten into the GP side? Lots, <laughs> lots of learning lessons. When we started off, we tried different avenues. So it's trying to figure out when we first getting in the space, trying to figure out how do I position myself best? And I think at the beginning, when we started out, we wanted to do it all ourselves So we were heavily underwriting, touring. We constantly were underwriting and touring. um, And we were looking at smaller properties at the beginning uh, because we figured, okay, we'll start small and then go bigger afterwards until we get some under our belt. And I think that was a little bit in hindsight. If if I had to do that over again, I would have directly gone into the ecosystem and just latched on to an experienced uh, partnership team. And um, added value that way. And we eventually wound up doing that because we just got into the best and final, best and final, and where we were doing all the upfront work. And what I realized is when you're new and the brokers don't know you, uh, and then you come in and then I, then we bring in an experienced sponsor after the fact, when we get closer to best and final, um, I think I, I would rather have done it the other way where, it would have been a lot easier if we just put it out there and communicate it more effectively in the ecosystem that this is what we add value and this is what we're strong and this is what we would like to do, um, but leverage them first and get our feet wet. And in the beginning, because of us wanting to do it all by ourselves and starting small, um, that wasn't the best idea. And I remember the first deal, we actually put money down. It was a small project. And we've had two small projects that we put hard money down and it didn't go uh, the way we want it. And it wasn't out of, it was out of our control. It was lending things that 
because it was different parcels and it was a 24 unit deal and we were going to do a joint venture on it. We weren't going to syndicate it, but it was small deals that we were doing. And in hindsight, I wish we wouldn't have done that. And we wound up not going through with it. Yeah. On both deals. And so we personally. Did you lose your hard money? We did. We lost. You did. We lost half of it on both deals. Oh, wow. And so that was our beginning journey of uh, trying to get our feet uh, in the door. And, um, you know, and then with everything with COVID and things like that. But in hindsight, that those two deals that didn't go accordingly was a blessing in disguise. Because had it had we pursued those deals, it would have been a much bigger headache and it would have been a smaller deal that was putting in a lot more stress and our time. So I think in hindsight, it was a learning. We definitely learned we lost a little bit of money doing it. Uh, But in hindsight, we learned a ton and we use that momentum <laughs> now. No, but that, that's, it's great advice for, for, for new people too. I mean, you hear that a lot and it plays into mindset too. I, you didn't mention it, but I, I have to imagine that part of that played into, part of it was, hey, let's just do it ourselves. But part of it is like, let's, you know, it's safer to do this 20 unit. Like let's yeah. start small and my and do that versus trying to, you know, get involved in a hundred or 200 unit, uh, community. Um, but I will I tell I'll, you, Darren, yes, the amount of work it took for us to do that 24 or 56 unit deal, the two small ones was more than the 243 unit deal. <laughs> is, is that crazy? It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. I mean, it is, you know, it really is. I, and but there's a lot of people out there that they think they have to start with a duplex or a fourplex or an eightplex yeah. and, and they don't really understand it, but it's, it's partnering with other people. And, you know, you also said, use the word value. Like, look, there, there has to be something in it for the, the experienced guy, right? Mm-hmm. So the experienced guy is not going to do all the work <laughs> of everything and then just bring you on because you're nice. Right. Right. <laughs> right. You know, like that would be great if that's, that happened, but that doesn't happen. So you have to communicate, like you said, you have to communicate the pieces that you like and that you could take off, you know, their shoulders. So you're providing value to them and they're providing value to you. And that's a good partnership. Correct. So communication and making it very clear and concise of your strengths and the roles that you can add value to is critical. That's, that's huge. Really is. What do you, what kind of, what's your stretch goal? Like for where are you guys going from here? Our stretch goal. I mean, just like we did for 2021, that was our best year yet. And uh, so we're leveraging that. Uh, We've uh, did something completely new in 2021 was, uh, getting out there and speaking on different stages and different circles. And so for 2022, we're going to be co-host for a new TV show. Uh, So first of all, talk about the speaking (laughs) engagements and what one, look, that's another thing. I got to imagine the first time you did it, you were a little nervous and then. Oh, I, I have a, my worst fear is is public speaking. So you talk about stretching 
getting on people's stages, doing a podcast is a stretch, much less going on a live stage in front of hundreds of people. But that's been an avenue of stretching. And I didn't think I would enjoy it as much as I have. And so we plan to Why stretch do you think that. You enjoy it? Um, the feedback that we've gotten of inspiration and just knowledge and education that people were wow. not aware of. Um, and so we've gotten so much positive feedback um, from there that it now it's like, okay, it's just all in my head. It's fear. And I, every single time I step on a stage, I'm still nervous. I still get butterflies, but it's for a reason. And so that's been a big stretch for us is to get out there, to be on stage, to open up because opportunities will open. And so when those opportunities open, it's being ready to take, say yes to those opportunities. So a few, few things there. So, One is like getting on stage. You, I've, I've read that, you know, singers and actors, they, they, they're scared getting on too. But like you, the, the <laughs> feedback, the positive feedback that comes back is what drives them to do it to keep coming back and do it again. Um, but I, you know, I think it's, look, you're, it's twofold, you know, opportunities arise by doing it, you know, and you have to be ready to jump on those. And you're also giving back, you're giving back to other people, you're inspiring mm. other people, you're, you're pouring, you know, your story and your journey into other people. And people need to need that. And we needed that, right? We needed that in the beginning, <laughs> other people Absolutely. to pour into us, right? And then you're pouring into other people and then somebody that's listening to you that takes action is going to do it for somebody else, you know, one year, two years, three years from Absolutely. now. Absolutely. So talk about this TV Absolutely. thing. I don't, I haven't heard that. <laughs> this is new. This is still us in the works. This is something brand new that we're going to be co-host um, on a financial freedom show. And, um, so Jaime and I are going to do that together as a Fantastic. couple. Fantastic. Is it what, so, um, what's the, how, how often will that show be on and what's it going to be on? And, um, it hasn't aired yet, but it's going to start, uh, we're probably going to start in February, mid February. Um, and it's going to be an hour every Monday and, uh, it's going to be on different topics and we're going to have different speakers on. But it's not anything specifically related to one avenue. It's just sharing life stories and sharing different strategies. Um, and although the show is called Financial Freedom, it's about enlightening, encouraging, and empowering. And living the lifestyle and the bigger why and the impact. And so that's really why the show and, you know, financial freedom means different things to different people. And it's not just the money freedom and time freedom, but living the life you want to live. And so really that's what the show is about. That's huge. That's huge. So uh, what is, the, mm -hmm. how has this whole process helped you guys live the life you want to live? <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Hi man. I are so blessed. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine um, being in a better, we're so grateful. And to have the time freedom and true financial freedom that we have now to travel all over the world, be with our little girl. Um, I mean, I can't, without this vehicle of the real estate, this wouldn't have been possible yeah, I mean, for us. So it has totally changed well, you our have life. One, one daughter, seven years? 
one daughter, seven years old. Think about as she grows up, the lessons that you guys are going to teach her. I mean, it's just, it's huge. Um, and all the other lives that you're touching every conference you go to. So um, thank you for that. I, I love your story. I love your, um, I love your demeanor. You know, you just, you have a very soft spoken, trusting voice to you um, and, and approach. So thank I, you, Darren. it's very apparent, you know, why you've been as successful as you've been. So um, I wish the two of you much, much, much success going forward. Um, what do you guys like to do outside of work? Um, travel besides travel. <laughs> you mentioned food. <laughs> food. Food. <laughs> <laughs> We're nice. big foodies. <laughs> food and travel. All right. We love well, food well, and you, travel. You know, you know what I like? I like being invited to go go eat food and travel. So, so ping, ping me and we'll, we will be there for sure. Yes. Well, All we right. will make that Fantastic. happen. Um, well, if somebody <laughs> wants to reach out to you and get to know you better, what's the best way to do that? They can go on our website, PassiveWealth23.com. PassiveWealth23.com. So what's the significance of 23? Ah, all right. <laughs> all right. Let's hear a story about how, how number 23 is lucky. Uh, all right. All right. All right. All right. What, what, what month? November. November. Okay, passed, so I can't say happy birthday. Um, well, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing with others. Um, look forward to seeing you at, at another event. And uh, listeners, um, definitely check these two out because um, they're just salt of the earth people and good people looking to help others. And um, so reach out. Check out our website, PassiveWealth23.com. And until next week, signing off. Thank you for listening to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show at DarrenBatchelder.com. If you liked the episode, please provide us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you already provided us with a five-star review, then thank you. And please share the show with a friend.